0: You're listening to Joy Coaching America with the Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant, spreading upbeat, uplifting, informative messages of hope and happiness from sea to shining sea from our home in the beautiful Rocky Mountains.
1: This is Karen Lynn Grant with Joy Coaching America, and today I have a wonderful guest for you. This is Colvin Perry from Holbrook, Arizona, who is a physical therapist assistant who today we're going to be interviewing on a variety of subjects. Uh, Last week when I interviewed Megan Perry, Colvin's wife, we started out the program by talking about... The Blessing of Blended Families, and it's Christmas time, and there's a lot of families that are coming together, trying to work out visitation. Who goes where? We have four sets of grandparents. Where do we go? Where do we spend the holidays? And so, you know, one of the things that uh, I inherited, Colvin, as a son through marriage to his father-in-law, Del Turley, and one of the things that I noticed about Colvin when i first met him and i shared last week that i married a man who had nine children with nine spouses and 41 grandchildren still growing i had seven of my own grandchildren four of my own children two of whom are married and when you add that up and do the math it's over 75 and how do you buy christmas presents for all of those and so colvin today this is what i was going to share that my husband Del, Said to me, you know what, Karen? Colvin understands. He he has a gift of just accepting and loving, and really being doing the art of a blended family. And so, Colvin, I would love for you. We're going to get into a lot of different aspects today on this show, but in this first segment, I would love for you to tell our listening audience about your philosophy of blended families and how you have handled it as a young boy as a teenager and now presently with all the fun changes in the family
2: oh man being in a blended family it's all i've ever known um you know my parents divorced when i was five years old and uh so being able to accept and love everybody that comes into your life is a choice. Beautiful. Um, sometimes it's not easy. You know, I, I had many stepmothers that I didn't get along with. Mm-hmm. Um, and partly because of my teenage years, you know, I was prideful and um, a little obnoxious. <laughs> I but, can't imagine that. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I later on in life, I finally realized that that it's not worth it to just be angry all the time.
1: Wow! Did you feel angry as a little um, boy?
2: I did. I did. I struggled with a lot of of um, anger issues. You know, if things didn't go my way. I was not a very happy person, and it didn't come out outwardly. Um, it was more in an internal battle for me, mm-hmm. um, and so it took me a long time to realize it's it's not worth it. It's you not know, worth
1: it. I want everyone who's listening to know the Colvin that I met four years ago. And it surprises me, but I understand that a little boy that is going through different sets of of marital choices that a that a father or mother are making and it's irregardless of what you choose and mm. and you're just expected to live with it. And mm. I think that that's a very important message for families today that are going through divorce that are Uh, deciding how they're going to treat their exes and how this this dynamic of a blended family is going to go but if you could know the colvin that i know i see no anger (laughs) colvin has a perpetual smile on his face he is the most loving father and he is so patient and kind with his six children and i know that you have messages to give to men to fathers, to teenage boys, to even little boys that are having to go through some pretty big, hefty changes in their family situations. And one of the things I said to Megan last week was, "You know, when I was praying about this this radio program and this this part of it about the blessing of a blended family, mm-hmm. the thought came: Jesus, Jesus was in a blended family. Joseph wasn't his." blood relative, you know, his blood Mm -hmm. father, and he understands, uh, and he had a father that he looked up to that wasn't his flesh and blood father. And I know that you have a very special relationship with the father that you spent the most time with. Mm -hmm. And I would love for you to share about what made this man so dear to you, who is not your biological father, right?
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Thad Wiltbank. He uh, he came into my life when I was boy. I think I was about ten or eleven at the time, um, and he just I I still remember the very first time I met him. Um, I was all excited because I had a uh, a Nintendo Super Nintendo. That's what it was, and I was I thought I was going to have a little buddy to play with, you know and uh, he was just this old rugged cowboy if you can think of a cowboy in its truest sense this was him wow and uh but he came in and i got my nintendo out and i wanted him to play madden with me <laughs> and he tried his very best he didn't know have a, he didn't have a clue what he was doing <laughs> but he tried and i think that was a great lesson for me um is just the sense that he was trying
1: he was willing you
2: know so we butted heads of course we had to get used to each other um but the relationship that we have now is um boy one that i would not trade for the world
1: he's just so dear to you Mm -hmm. i remember when i met you and i had just come into this great big family with over 60 people in it and Dell had shown me pictures of children and grandchildren on Facebook and I was like overwhelmed and I wasn't married to him yet and I we weren't even engaged and I thought I could never do this I mean this is huge how would you memorize everybody's birthday or know which family they came from and the first person who reached out to me in this whole family was you you were—I had no idea of your background. I had no idea of a blended family uh, experience that you had previously had, but you just accepted and were loving. You would send me text messages. You'd post on my Facebook page, and I felt so natural. It was so natural for me to just love you and accept you and receive you right back, and and so. That is one of the reasons why I am choosing and wanting to interview you today, because I love this. You know, Joseph came into Jesus's life. I can imagine how overwhelmed he was to think that he had to raise the son of God and uh, he was a carpenter and, and taught Jesus his trade. And you have that. And he started out with you just being a 10 year old boy, 11 year old boy, and Coming into your life on your terms with with that game that you said <laughs> and Nintendo, and and so the relationship grew and you butted heads, but it grew. Mm-hmm. And were there other children in that family? Um,
2: there were, but um, we didn't see them a lot. Uh, Thad had had other children through other marriages, um, and we got together every now and then, uh, but um, you know we those kids kind of grew apart, and and we haven't really seen very much mm-hmm. of them. Um, some mis- live in Mississippi, another one lives somewhere in Arizona, and and uh, we kind of just go from there. But, um,
1: but the relationship that he took the time to continue, even though he had other children from other marriages, mm-hmm. he still took the time to develop a one-on-one mm-hmm. precious relationship with you, and that that's impressive. And I think if you had a message to give to men that are marrying into families, what would that be? Try, just try.
2: Um, you know, you, you can't be at fault for trying. You're going to fail, but there are going to be times where you succeed. And those times that you succeed are, are the times that you'll remember most.
1: I thank you so much, Colvin. I I thank you for sharing. And I think that this message is so important, especially during the holidays. If you have a blended family or in process of blending a family, or even if you're going through a divorce, sometimes the holidays can be some of the most painful times as we wonder where we fit and who do we belong to and where are our ties that have maybe been disrupted through divorce or through the recreation of a new family. And I just want to thank you, Colvin, for sharing this part of your life, this part of your experience, because I believe that it's part of what has made you into such a loving man, a loving father, the example that you had with that. and what a wonderful, what a wonderful man you are. I love you. And so thankful that you're here with me today. We will be right back after this message. More with Colvin Perry from Holbrook, Arizona. Thank you.
0: From sea to shining sea and beyond, you're listening to Joy Coaching America Worldwide with show host and joy coach, Karen Lynn Grant.
1: This is Karen Lynn Grant with Joy Coaching America. I am really honored to have a very special guest with me today. Colvin Perry comes to us from Holbrook. Arizona. He's a physical therapist assistant. He's had an active career during COVID. And so we're going to hear about how COVID has affected uh, men and how what, what everybody's going through on the man's perspective. But before we go there, Colvin, you just shared some beautiful things with our listening audience about the blessing of a blended family and how you grew to love this man who the world might call a stepfather, but I don't think you would add the word step to that. I think that for you, he has been completely adopted all the way in your heart as a dad, as your dad, as your father. And you even gave some really wonderful counsel to men out there who might be going through a similar situation, trying to win the hearts of new little children or those going through a divorce and, I love what you said. Just try, just try, just give it your best. You're going to fail, but you can do it and it's going to make a difference. So thank you, Colvin. Now I have the question, you know, before we had this interview, I asked Colvin, is there anything specific? He said, you can ask me anything. So before we get into the physical therapy assistant career world and how you have handled that during COVID and all of that, I want to ask you to share with men and fathers and sons and even wives, out there. What is the most difficult thing? The most, the biggest challenge that you have overcome in your life, and how did you overcome it? Hmm. That's a loaded question. That is it? a loaded
2: question. Um, you know, there are so many things. I don't think there is a point in life where it's just absolutely easy. Um but some of the things that i struggled with i I struggled with addiction um when i was 14 that started and it took a a long time it took half my life to finally get over it um but the thing that really helped me i would get better here and there and and you know be good for a while and then it, you know it was just that cycle that back and forth back and forth battle but the the thing that really helped was christ um when i finally truly understood what helped me and and how he was there for me every single step of the way it made it um so much more worth it and so much more, um, I, I wouldn't say easier, but peaceful.
1: And possible.
2: Impossible, yeah. Um, you know, that was, um, and then trying to deal with raising kids and, and, and I, don't, I don't want to say dealing with a wife, but... <laughs> Uh-huh. Living with with another person that they expect you to do things, and they, um, you know, addiction just overloads everything that you're trying to do.
1: You know, this is important, Colvin, because you know we hear the word addiction, and sometimes people cringe. It doesn't matter what the addiction is. Don't you think that addiction is that longing inside your heart to fill a void mm-hmm. of something else that's missing. Mm-hmm. And that it really, we all have an addiction to something. Um, many of us have an addiction to something. I mean, and to, to varying levels and degrees, some of those addictions a, a person can be addicted to running, a person can be addicted to exercise, a person can be addicted to workout. There, there are many things to be addicted to. But let's talk about the root of addiction, Mm -hmm. because I think that this is an important message when, you know, it's not important for us to know what that precise addiction was. But if you could go back in your mind to the age of 14 and share with parents out there who might have a son who's starting a new struggle with um, that light affliction, you know, that hurt, that loneliness, that emptiness, that longing or that curiosity, that turns into an addiction, mm-hmm. none of us started out addicted. We all you know turn to a substance or a something slowly or a person, slowly yeah. and it's slow, but let's talk about the root of addiction because it's so important for people to understand and not judge mm-hmm. each other's addictions because don't don't you think it stems oh. from all an ache and a longing, oh yeah, oh yeah,
2: you're trying to fill a void um. There's something missing in your life that you feel that this would help, and obviously it doesn't. It makes things worse. It brings it brings shame. It brings um, guilt. Um, You know. It brings um, and it hides the true feelings that are supposed to be natural inside you. it rewires your brain in a way that you can't feel what heavenly father wants you to feel anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, the moment that you realize that is the moment you realize, Oh man, I've missed out on a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there's guilt, there's shame and it's hard to come out of that because you're afraid that you're going to be judged. You're afraid that you're um, going to lose everything. And sometimes you do. Um, but sometimes that's necessary. Wow. To, With the atonement of Christ, losing everything is how we build ourselves back up. And I shouldn't just say ourselves. It's how we work together with Christ and with other people who are on your team to build yourself back up.
1: So you talk about building yourself back up with Christ and through Christ and people on your team. Did you have confidants that were that continued to believe in you and cheer you on um, during the process of of that recognition and recognizing that this was bigger than you now oh, yeah. were you able to turn to people and that were not judgmental or critical of you that just loved you through?
2: Oh yeah bishops um, youth leaders you know who who knew that I had it and but also you know my wife you know at first that was a very that was our hardest thing to go through uh, one of our hardest things, mm-hmm. not just the hardest. Mm -hmm. Um, but through it all, um, she was willing to be right there with me.
1: And I want to ask you if you had a message to give to wives that are going through this, because I have uh, dealt in my practice. With a lot of women who have a husband that has an addiction and, and they don't know what to do. They try everything from scolding to nagging to persecuting to yeah. loving to, you know, whatever. What would be your best advice to a wife?
2: Do everything in love. Everything in love. Um, but don't let them make you think you're less less worth than what you are.
1: Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, so would you tell a wife to set boundaries?
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: And would you encourage her to expect accountability?
2: Mm-hmm. You have to ex- expect accountability. Otherwise there's no growth. There's nothing to, to work towards. Um, otherwise it's just like, Oh, do whatever you want. Nothing's going to grow.
1: Well, Colvin, I really appreciate this, and I'm sure that our listening audience appreciates it, too. It's a tender subject, and it's a huge thing to share and to to share and to be vulnerable that way. But I want you to know that I totally honor and respect what you have shared thus far and how that can be a blessing to parents that are listening who might have a child Son or daughter who are going through something, or to a father who might not have shared uh the struggle that he's having, or even a wife who might not have shared the struggle that she's having, I think that your advice to to do everything in love is beautiful advice, and it's something you know there's just no room for judgment there's we just have to adopt the Lord's plan of mercy, even in as we set boundaries. And it's so important and so vital. And I just want you to know how much I love and respect and honor you as a father, as a husband. I have had the blessing of having you in my home for the past three days, and it's just been beautiful to watch you. We will be right back with more from Colin Perry as he shares with us some very important messages that we all can benefit and be blessed by.
2: Welcome to the Loving Liberty Radio Network.
0: Welcome back to Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace. One happy listener at a time. You're
1: listening to Joy Coaching America with Carolyn Grant, interviewing a man that came into my life uh, four and a half years ago when I married his (laughs) father-in-law, and I inherited this amazing son, and I'm so grateful for him and for the wisdom that he has to share with us and that he's been sharing with us on the blessing of blended families and what he learned as a, a 10-year-old boy, 11-year-old boy, when when a man came into his life who stepped into the role of father and and went the extra mile with that. And Colvin sharing that if, if we would all just try, it would make such a big difference in each other's lives. You know, when you think about it, we're all sons and daughters of God. There's no step this or step that. We're all brothers and sisters. And so to receive each other in love is a wonderful plan. And and sometimes we have to get out of the way in order to do that, to embrace new faces, new people in our lives without jealousies and envying. And Colvin is an example of this to me. He's one of the first members of my new family that I felt safe and I felt comfortable with. And I just love him and I don't love him any differently than I love one of my own children. I'm excited the more I get to know him. I'm excited to know of his strengths and of his of the of the beauty that he brings to my world. And that's why I want to share him with you today. Colvin shared with us in the last segment about overcoming addiction. And I asked him for his best advice to those who might be struggling or Being with a spouse or someone or having a teenage son or a young daughter, someone who's going through addiction, I mean, what person doesn't have a challenge with something in their life? And and how can we be? How can we show up for those people? And he said, to do everything in love. And I love that, Colvin. But you know, sometimes out of our greatest trials come our greatest strengths. And, you know, there's a beautiful scripture in Ether 1227 that says, If men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. And I give unto men weakness that they may humble themselves. And that as we humble ourselves and come unto Christ, then will he make weak things become strong unto us. And if everybody out there could think of something that feels like a weakness feels like something that you're struggling with. Maybe it's a hidden or suppressed lingering anger that you feel towards someone that you have not forgiven. But now I'm going to turn the time back over to you, Colvin, and I'm going to ask you to share with me, with our listening audience, what are some of the qualities? I mean, when you have to climb a mountain, you develop muscle. Mm-hmm. When you have to go out there and, and prove yourself to yourself, You develop qualities, and I want to ask you as a tender, loving father, because I already see some great strengths in you, but I want to ask you, what do you feel are some of your greatest strengths that you've developed through having a blended family, through having going through and experiencing an addiction and coming unto Christ, and up to this point in your life? This is like a little rest stop here (laughs) to survey the scene. Yeah,
2: boy, I, uh, Wow. I hardly consider myself a good father. I I always struggle with with uh, feeling that I'm not doing enough or that I'm not raising my children the right way. Uh,
1: boy, Yep, this is the man that cooks dinner for his family <laughs> every night. Megan brags on you.
2: I don't know. I honestly, I think my life has taught me to, to just be happy with whatever you have. Um, growing up, my mom and I, we didn't have a lot. We we lived in a, there were times where we lived in a very small camp trailer, 10 by
1: mm-hmm. 10
2: by 10 camp trailer. We didn't have a lot.
1: Was it just you and your mom?
2: But it was just me and my mom. So you were
1: um, the only. You were the only
2: child. No, I wasn't the only child. Um, my siblings, most of the time, they lived with their dad, um, and uh, my sister, she had a, a baby at sixteen, and so she was married at a very young age. And then my my older brother was um, either sent to Hawaii because a stepmom didn't like him or whatnot. Wow. But, um, so I. It was just me and my mom most of the time. Um, And I learned that I could be happy anywhere that I was. And to be honest, I never really felt that we were truly dirt poor, even though we were. Um, You know, my mom did her very best. And we came through, you know, my mom would, she
1: have to work during the days or how did that, she,
2: she would try and work, but she herself had, um, uh, what's it called? It's called Epstein bar, Mm -hmm. which prevented her from working very long hours. And so I, I think I, at one point I found a a tax return that she had only made a little over $5,000 in one year.
1: Wow, And
2: that was it. And yet I never knew that. I she never made felt, you feel rich. I never felt like we went without. Um, I do remember being on food stamps and I remember asking my mom for a food stamp so I could get a, a hot pocket for lunch at, during school, you know. Um, but, uh, but we lived in such a small little town in Alpine, Arizona that it, it was hard not to feel um, loved. You knew everybody. They knew you. And people stepped up right and left. Um, neighbors would take me to go do things, to be that father figure in my life. Um, my, this
1: is beautiful. This the, is like what you're sharing. Oh, this is so important for the world to hear, Colvin.
2: My, my coach, uh, my teachers, um, they stepped up. And they knew that my mom was struggling. Um, they could see it, even though she didn't ask. But during hunt- hunting season, hunters would come in with, with their kill of, of elk or deer. And, and my mom would always ask them, hey, what are you doing with the hearts? Or what are you doing with the livers? Mm-hmm. Because most of the time, those were things that they would throw out. And she would take them and bring them home and make stew. And that's what I grew up on was elk heart and and liver. I didn't like it, but I hate it. Um, And we moved around uh, several times, but I never felt that we were dirt poor. I never felt that way.
1: You know this is a beautiful sharing today especially this being thanksgiving weekend mm-hmm. because so many children and teenagers of today feel entitled to more and i'm hearing this beautiful message of of contentment it thinks so uh, it reminds me of the scripture that says i have learned to be content in whatever state i am in and i want you to know that you're an amazing example of learning to be content. Not to the point of not being ambitious, but to be content and grateful for all the things that you were blessed with as a young man, but to still have aspirations because now you're in a family with a wife. How long have you been marrying?
2: Oh boy, I better remember this. She's going to get on me. Um, 14 years. It'll 14 be f- years. 15 in February.
1: And that is a huge accomplishment mm-hmm. uh, for you to create. A traditional family with six beautiful, such well-adjusted children. They are all so darling. And I hope that you will share these stories with them because I think that these stories need to be written Mm -hmm. and to be shared with your posterity because this is gratitude in action on Mm -hmm. your part. And you are a man of character. And I hope that you will, when you go away from this interview with me, that you're going to see yourself with in a great new light through my eyes. And so now you're, you're a growing up man and you uh, wanted to develop a career. And so tell us what you wanted to be when you grew up.
2: I always wanted to, to do something in sports. You know, as a kid, we wanted to be in the NBA or you wanted to do those fun things. But as I grew and matured, I started to do, wanted to do uh, um, sports medicine. And so oh. that's when I got into physical therapy and uh, started learning about the rehab process of the body and helping different people, so.
1: Well, I'm excited to hear all about this and how you made your dream come true in as, as a physical therapist assistant. And we'll be right back after this station break with Colvin Perry from Holbrook, Arizona.
0: Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace, one happy listener at a time.
1: This is Karen Lynn Grant with Joy Coaching America, interviewing an amazing father, a wonderful husband, a man who made his dreams come true and is in the process of teaching his children to do the same, and he's sharing with us. I am excited to be interviewing my son through marriage, Colvin Perry, a physical therapist assistant in Holbrook, Arizona. And Colvin, uh, we were just starting to talk about the dream that you had as a young man to do something with sports medicine, and I would love for you to share how you ventured out to make that dream come true.
2: (laughs) Well, it was, I, I think it was more, more forced than anything. Um, when I fir- when we first got married, Megan and I, um, I was working for her family, um, in the terrazzo industry, crushing rock and, and, uh, separating it. Anyway. Um, so I, I was an inventory, uh, manager where I got to count rock all day. Wow. So I not, didn't know that. Not too exciting, but, um, you know, I, I loved it. I loved what I was doing. Um, I loved the people that I was working with. So I was pretty content there. Um, and then 2008 happened when the housing market crash mm-hmm. came up and people weren't buying pools anymore. Wow. So um, I got laid off. And uh, getting laid off is a, an eye-opener or was for me. Um, I didn't have a degree. I had no training and trying to provide for a family uh, was very difficult Um, and so i decided to go back to school and i started looking around and and found a college that uh, would do physical therapy assisting and jumped right in both feet and that was probably one of the hardest things I went through because they did a oh a shortened program and an accelerated program, and that was very difficult. No breaks, um, no Christmas breaks, no spring breaks. It was just boom, 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 and uh, and then taking the national board test was nerve wracking.
1: Oh, I bet you know so. And how many children did you have at home at this time?
2: Oh, we had two, we had two, we had the the girls. Mm Um, and so, uh, we had to rely on, on Megan's grandma. We lived with her. Um, and that, that right there was a huge blessing in allowing me to go to school. And, and, but I do remember, um, going to donate plasma and i tried to skirt the system quite a few times actually Um, you were only supposed to donate plasma maybe twice a week and i was doing it sometimes three times and uh, i could have gotten really sick and possible death by doing it that much but um, i i had to provide for the family and we needed groceries. We Huge needed food. Huge
1: sacrifices. You so, gave blood. So I
2: went and, uh, you know, donated plasma. And I they gave me a little check. And I figured out which days they would pay more for your plasma. And so I'd always go on those days. But I'd also go find another facility to donate to. And, and I would actually lie on the questions like, hey, when did you donate plasma last? Because I knew they wouldn't donate. They wouldn't allow me to donate.
1: Mm. And so... And you were so intent on providing for your little family while Mm -hmm. you went through the schooling and education process. And you lived and you're a big, strong guy.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I don't know about big and strong, but (laughs) but uh, so that's that's what I did going through school. Um, And then when I got out into the actual field, um, I enjoyed what I did and, and what I continued to do. It's more so towards the older generation now instead of the sports, but um, I love it. I've gained a lot of respect and, and friendship. Um, the friendship, especially through most of my patients, has been um, a lot of fun to interact with and, and uh, get to know everybody in the community. So.
1: So as you have done this during covid you say you've been working with the older Mm -hmm. generation how has that affected uh what have you seen what have you experienced
2: i've seen a lot of fear honestly Um, you know when it first hit um, we lost a lot of patients um, not not to death but just because of the fear they didn't want to leave their house Mm -hmm. Um, and living right Um, On the border of the Navajo Reservation, um, where it hit really, really hard, Um, we were treating a lot of of the reservation patients. And, um, you know, so we lost a lot of of patient clientele, and I got furloughed. Um, But I tell you this, COVID has been the best thing that's happened, at least in my life, Uh, one of the best things it has allowed me to focus more on reading my scriptures and and not just reading them but actually studying and learning um while my, you
1: were furloughed you mean
2: while i was furloughed yeah so you
1: you took that time and put it to good use on some personal spiritual development
2: mm-hmm. yeah it's uh my prayers have never been better I, you could say you know mm-hmm. um i i don't just pray anymore i i actually have conversations with my heavenly father and and i love it i i yearn for it every single night um and i don't get the answers every single time um every night but i've learned now to recognize when it is happening. And when it does happen, I'm, I I get a joy and I get a, a, a real excitement that comes out of me.
1: I um, wish that you all could see Colvin's face, his countenance <laughs> as he talks about the joy that he has when he recognizes the answer to a prayer and his love of having a communion and a time of conversation and through prayer with this heavenly father and that that through covid i did not know what the answer was going to be to that question i had no idea where you were going to take that but to have you take it to using that time because men so often go to work a woman who gets the privilege of staying home can choose if she wants to have more prayer time or more scripture time but a dad Has to keep going and doesn't always have that luxury. And so for you to have been able to take some of that furlough time and turn it into a time of increased communication with your Father in heaven and develop that relationship is very exciting to me. And that is a powerful message to those of us out there who have been blessed with a little bit of time. You know, every bad that happens has a blessing in disguise if we'll Mm -hmm. just look for it and so I didn't mean to interrupt you but I (laughs) loved that expression it looked like a little boy at Christmas (laughs) just loving knowing that he can talk to his father
2: Mm -hmm. yeah it's been a it's been a huge blessing on my part just spiritually wise and also being able to recognize that and give blessings to my children and my wife has helped immensely in our, in our family relationships.
1: So you talk about giving blessings. Mm -hmm. Can you, can you explain the faith that you have in, in the, in that process of giving a, a blessing?
2: You know, every time I give a blessing, I know it cannot be me that is giving the blessing. I I have to be the tool um, that, as Heavenly Father speaks to those precious people in front of me, I have to be those words, and I have to let those words come out through me. Um, and so, every time I give a blessing and lay my hands on somebody, I have to set aside any feelings of ill will anger, resentment, anything that would drive away the spirit. And as I do so, I can feel and say things that I normally would not say. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not that patient. Believe me, I'm not that patient. But when Heavenly Father speaks through me to my family, and I say certain things of, love and patience and kindness and, you know, sometimes even a loving reminder of things that they need to do. Um, I know that it's not me speaking.
1: It's amazing, Colvin, as I hear you talk, and I, I think of how you have found the blessing in disguise during this COVID season to grow and develop spiritually as the patriarch in your home, the father, the husband, um, how that's benefited you in your character and in who you are. And I, I feel a message for dads out there that you have a message that you can share in this last minute of our call. Um, and I just love for you to encourage men who might be feeling discouraged. Uh, what words of wisdom and counsel would you give?
2: It's time to rise up. It's time to rise up. We see so much anger and discontent in the world these days, and it's just going to get worse. But it's time for the men of Christ to rise up and to begin to recognize the Spirit and bless those around you. Um, and, and that's 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 it. it. It's different for everybody.
1: Wow, Colvin. I am grateful for those words. I'm grateful for your counsel. This has been a joy for me to interview you today and to get to know you even better. I want to thank you for sharing with us today on Joy Coaching America. This is Karen Grant signing up. Thank you, Colvin. We love you.